You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. More important than what you do. The only way that you're going to have any kind of success in your life, you have to buy into a process of what it takes to reach a goal. How can I be the best I can be at what I do? How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life, and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have, but without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite. You have to have toughness. What does it take to break you? I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in? You're tired or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should? I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's going to be difficult if you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just because you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tight. Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992, winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, 35-2-1, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX Studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. Welcome to the show. Yes, I know it's hot. We have a bunch to talk about and only two hours in which to do so. Auburn won, Braves won, Golden State is in control. But we're going to leave the show off by saying, hey, Lars, and also welcome in Andrew Bone. Lars, this hot enough for you? It's tar bubbling hot. Hey, I ain't heard. Oh, I know what that means, but I don't believe I've heard it uh, described that way. I'm a writer. You are a writer and a uh, spokesperson as well. Um, Andrew Bone is going to lead us off at the top of the show from Bama Insider because we, we want to get a recruiting update, uh, especially in light of the fact that this past weekend, one and the only Arch Manning was uh, on campus at the University of Alabama. Uh, Bone, a quick comment on how hot it is, and then tell us how the weekend visit from Arch went. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hot outside. You know, my, my wife said that she was going to walk to lunch today, and I told her that um, – 
she probably would be calling me to come pick her up at some point during that walk, either before <laughs> or after the lunch. So she hasn't called me before, so I'm gotta, I got a feeling she's going to be calling me here pretty soon. So, um, yeah, it's pretty hot outside, but I'm not going to be walking today, I don't think. So I'll just, uh, you know, be riding a lot. But, yeah, it was a big weekend. Tuscaloosa, obviously, uh, you know, you know, the big name, Arch Manning, but there were a lot of other big names that were in town, and he wasn't the only five-star who was in town as well. So, you know, a lot of other big names. I think Alabama, you know, did a good job as far as, uh, you know, really, you know, continuing to develop a lot of strong relationships with, uh, with different recruits who were in touch with. The, uh, the thing about recruiting this cycle is we're seeing a lot of recruits take all of their official visits. They've set them all up for this month, so we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of guys that are going to take uh, all their officials this month. We'll see a lot more decisions happening in July and August, probably this year than, than probably ever before. You know, Last year, kids were finally starting to uh, you know, get out during the summer and go see places because you had the COVID uh, year where things were just completely shut down. Kids weren't able to take those. So you saw a lot of officials finally happening um, a lot of visits uh, in general finally happening last summer in the month of June. So a lot of kids were making decisions, uh, you know, based on the excitement of, of going to a place for the first time. And now what we're kind of seeing this year is we've seen a lot of these kids visit campuses. We've seen them, you know, visit throughout the fall or during the spring or um, junior days or spring games or stuff like that. And, all of them have now started to set up all their official visits. So they're taking their official visits this month and then likely going to make a decision, um, you know, sometime before the start of their senior season. So do expect, uh, you know, even though it's been kind of slow on the commitment front, at least for Alabama, Alabama currently only sitting with four commitments. Alabama fans asking every single day, when's that next commitment going to happen? And we may see some commitments happen over the course of the next few weeks. Alabama extended an offer to a kicker yesterday. They offered, um, you know, a, a safety last week who didn't have many offers uh, after his performance in Alabama's camp. So we may see some of those guys go ahead and make decisions. Then. But as far as the, the big names, the guys who've been recruited for the last year, who are ranked five stars, who are in the top 100, who are wanted by everybody, uh, every top school in the country, those guys are taking their officials this month. And they're going to let these schools um, – I was about to say wine them and dine them, but uh, <laughs> provide a lot of soft drinks and a lot of food to them, and, and let them go out to uh, go out to uh, you know out on the town with with, uh, with different players and uh, just enjoy the the entire process before making uh, making that decision. So, uh, and obviously with the NIL, NIL you know kind of throwing a wrench into everything because you know kids want to learn more about that. Or they want to learn you know what. You know, different programs, uh, you know, have to offer in their communities and, uh, and stuff like that. So it's going to be kind of interesting. We're going to see some guys that are going to only make decisions based on NIL opportunities, but we're going to see plenty of guys that are going to make decisions uh, based on what they feel like is, is best for their future and not necessarily what's best for um, uh, their, uh, I guess, their brand at this very moment. Andrew, so uh, it's June 14th. We're still a week away from the official start of summer, which is June 21. And uh, right now, uh, On3 has this uh, recruiting prediction machine. Uh, what variables go into that? I have no idea. But uh, according to them, Arch Manning, um, 
there's a 50.3% chance he goes to Texas, a 44% chance he goes to Georgia, and a 3.8% chance that he goes to Alabama. And that's in line with the latest odds from 24-7 sports. Uh, they have Texas as a favorite right at 50%, and Georgia at 40%, Alabama at 4.8%. So, Andrew Bone, where do you think Arch ultimately ends up? I think he's going to Georgia. That's my personal opinion. No uh, information around that informs that. That's just where my gut tells me he's heading. I think if um, yeah, I think if you follow recruiting and you see you know Alabama's class, you see a quarterback on Alabama's commitment list, and and that's an elite quarterback, and Eli Holstein. So I think it automatically makes people just assume that there's no chance that Arch Manning is going to Alabama, and I can see that. I can I can easily say, yeah, I think he's going to Georgia or Texas, which you know as of right now I'm leaning towards him going to one of those two two programs. Now, he's going to visit uh, Texas this weekend, so that's a very big visit uh, coming up. Visited Georgia uh, two weekends ago, visited Alabama this past weekend. Yeah, I think all these predictions that you see, you know, regardless of which site you read, regardless of which reporter you trust more than anybody else, I think every single person has completely just guessed as to what Arch Manning is going to do. He hasn't given any indication to anybody which direction he's leaning, and that's including coaches. He hasn't told any coaches that, hey, I'm leaning towards your school. You're the favorite. Uh, this is where I'm going to go. I'm just going to take my official visits and enjoy the process. He hasn't done anything like that. He's never come out and said, this school's my leader. Um, and he, So there's no indication that Georgia and Texas are the top two schools on his list. But that's just what everybody wants to assume. Now, I think that Alabama has done a good job as far as recruiting him and continuing to make him feel like a top priority. Had a great trip to Tuscaloosa this past weekend. You know, really likes the Alabama coaching staff a lot. Has a great connection with Bill O'Brien and also Pete Golding, who is his area recruiter. So I think Alabama's still in it. That's probably going to surprise most people just because uh, they do have Eli Holstein, but they've made it, you know, pretty clear to both Holstein and Manning uh, from the get-go that they wanted two quarterbacks in this class, and those are the two guys that they've heavily gone after and heavily pursued. So we'll see what happens uh, in the end whenever he does make that decision. But I do think Alabama's still very much in the race. I wouldn't put their chances of him getting him uh, at three percent. I don't know if I'd put it at. Uh, 50%, but, uh, but I certainly think that they're in it more than what people realize. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, when he goes, does get ready to make that decision, it's probably, at the end of the day, it's probably going to be tough to say no to Alabama just because and Nick Saban does such a great job, uh, you know, recruiting guys, developing relationships. And then, you know, when you step on foot, uh, on, you know, you step on Alabama's campus and, and meet with the, you know, not just the coaching staff, but the strength staff, the, support staff, the academic staff, everybody that's really involved. I mean, it's really a championship-caliber program from top to bottom. It just, you know, it starts with Nick Saban, but but it trickles down all the way to, you know, everybody else is involved with the program. And I think that's what uh, the Mannings really like about Alabama and what really sticks out to them about that Alabama uh, football program. So we'll see, um, like I said, what happens down the road. You know, I would 
you know, be in your same boat as far as thinking that he doesn't go to Alabama, but to think that Alabama is not in the race, um, I think is probably not accurate. And uh, I think they're going to be in it until the end. Our guest is Andrew Bone from Bama Insider. He is our recruiting guru. Uh, and I, we also, by the way, thanks for your time. I know how busy you are. You're so slammed with all your posts and all your research. I'm going to give you two or three names here, and if you can, just give me a, a brief update. Uh, in addition to Arts this past weekend, there were four highly recruited offensive linemen, one of which was Olas Allenen, I think I'm saying that right, who is just this huge Swedish-looking guy. He's 6'7 and only weighs 3'10". That's a big mobile guy. Also, Anthony Hill, linebacker out of Texas, and an update on the community college transfer, maybe to Alabama, Malik Benson. Yeah, so Alabama did have some big offensive linemen on campus this weekend. Uh, Ola Salinen was one of those guys, and I do think Alabama is in the driver's seat for him. Now, he's going to visit Georgia this weekend. Ohio State is going to visit Oregon. Um, he's already visited Miami and you know, as well as Alabama. So I do think Alabama is in the driver's seat for him as we kind of move forward to these remaining visits before he makes that decision in uh, July. Uh, Anthony Hill, the top inside linebacker in the country, big visit for him this past weekend in Tuscaloosa. He says he's definitely going to return. I, I still think it's going to be tough to pull him out of Texas. I mean, this is a, uh, a premier recruit that has visited you know, a lot of schools, um, including Oklahoma and Texas A&M, uh, several times have been to Texas A&M more than anywhere else, visited Alabama for the second time. So I think they're going to need to get him back on campus to uh, to have a chance with him. Um, I mean, I think they have a chance, but I, I do think that, um, you know, Texas A&M, Oklahoma still uh, slightly ahead of Alabama there. And then you mentioned uh, Malik Benson. Now, Alabama has recruited three JUCO players in this recruiting cycle, Malik Benson, uh, Elijah Davis, who's a JUCO defensive tackle, and then uh, Justin Jefferson, who's a linebacker. Both those guys are out of uh, Mississippi. And then Malik Benson out of Kansas, uh, he's actually going to be taking an official visit to Alabama this week. He's going to get in town on Wednesday, stay until Friday. Now, Alabama was considered the early favorite for him in his recruitment, but uh, after taking an official to Tennessee this past weekend, says that the Vols are now in the lead uh, for his services. So we'll see how things go in Tuscaloosa this weekend. I think they've got a chance to really make a, uh, a strong impression and uh, can move ahead of uh, the Vols after this week. Andrew, uh, final question. I want to go to a player that's currently on Alabama's roster, and that is Will Anderson. Uh, just Can you give us a synopsis of what you thought of him coming out of Hampton, Georgia? Did you think he could be as good as he is and was it a, uh, a fight for Alabama to, to land him? Yeah, you know, I think early on Alabama was, uh, you know, really heavily recruited him, you know, from the get-go and, you know, really identified him as a, a premier target. Now, Georgia, you know, I think that if Georgia would have jumped on him a little bit earlier rather than waiting until uh, almost the start of his senior season, they could have, you know, they could have easily had him, in, in my opinion, just because you know, he grew up a Georgia fan. But, you know, the fact that they didn't get on him until late in Alabama treated him like a top priority. Um, you know, Alabama was able to win out in his recruitment. But, you know, this is a guy who had 40 sacks uh, throughout the course of his junior and senior season uh, combined. So we knew he was an elite pass rusher. You know, was never sure you know, how much bigger he was going to get. 
Uh, was he going to end up growing into a defensive end? Was he going to be a linebacker? Could he, uh, you know, perform at a high level uh, at outside linebacker after only playing defensive end uh, throughout his high school career? But I think after, you know, seeing him in person, you know, guys were evaluating him, and then he had this unbelievable performance at the, un, uh, the, at the U.S. Army All-American game. He was a no-brainer as a five-star recruit. Um, you know, I remember the day that he stepped foot on campus, you know, I, uh, you know, talking to different people down in Tuscaloosa, they said this is a guy who's going to immediately make a strong impact uh, for Alabama's football team, and he certainly did. And you know, has been one of the uh, you know absolute best defensive players uh, in the Nick Saban era, if not the the very best. Boy, he's one. the The thought of him being on that Georgia team last year just sent <laughs> yeah. chills all the way down to my toes. Andrew Bone, thank you. You're the gra- you're the greatest. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. See you soon, thank buddy. You guys. Andrew Bone is available. Uh, his commentary here, but certainly you can go to Bama Insider and look under recruiting on that website and certainly dial him in as well. Uh, we're going to talk some baseball, college baseball. Uh, Auburn winning last night, advancing to Omaha. That's coming up with Roger Hoover from the Crimson Tide Sports Network. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. What? Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny and very hot today. Just a small chance of any one spot getting a shower through the evening hours. The high today, 96. The low tonight, 72. Tomorrow morning, sunshine. A few scattered afternoon storms around. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 93 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Parker Show brought to you by Sonny King. It's a good Sonny tune. King Ford. Excellent tune. I just turn it up and play it. Roger, <laughs> Hoover, Roger Hoover will stand by forever. <laughs> just kidding, Roger. Um, also, Top Golf, uh, downtown Birmingham. Wonderful facility. A, a great way to spend the afternoon or evening with the family. All right. Roger Hoover, our base, college baseball guy. Crimson Tide Sports Network. Roger, it's Matt and Lawrence on this steamy day in Alabama. How are you? Uh, very hot as well, but uh, doing great. Uh, great to be on with you guys today. I, uh, I'm assuming that, uh, of course, we'd rather be talking about Alabama going to Omaha, but Auburn is going. Do you watch a lot of that game? And your observations, ju- just as a whole, because I, I know you've seen Auburn a lot more than most of us, but uh, Lars used the word a little while ago. They're, they're just a real gritty team. They're going to find a way to win. Yeah, I think that's a great description. I think when you have a player like Sonny Deshera, some great pieces around him, they're a fun group to watch, uh, especially if they have a lead going late into a ball game like we saw last night with Burkhalter able to get saved out of the bullpen. I mean, he is about as locked down a closer as you can have in college baseball. So I was pretty impressed uh, they were able to pick up that victory in uh, Corvallis, Oregon. That's a very tough place to play. That's a group uh, in Oregon State that's certainly expected to make it to Omaha in the College World Series. And uh, Auburn did not have a very easy road to try and get there and pick up two wins at three, but they did. I think uh, having Sonny D at the heart of it all uh, really is a great story and uh, really impressive what Butch Thompson has done there, You know, making it to the College World Series in 2019, following it up with another trip this year, I think speaks uh, very well for what that program's doing. 
Roger, pretty incredible. Four teams from the SEC West going to the College World Series. Uh, <laughs> what what makes the SEC West? I mean, right now you'd have to say that this is the sort of epicenter of college baseball power. It really is, and you have to consider as well, Texas and Oklahoma are also part of that field, so if you want to expand it even more, six of the eight, only uh, Notre Dame and Stanford would not be in the SEC West. I think divisions are going to go away in the future in the SEC, but uh, it really is remarkable, and I think it all starts with great coaching. I think you can look to every program that made it to Omaha and say the one key ingredient that all of them have is, number one, a great head coach. Number two is incredible fan support and also a lot of recruiting uh, resources. I think that's there for all of these different programs, and especially Texas A&M. I think that's one of the most compelling stories in college baseball, the fact that Jim Schlossnagel makes the transition from TCU, where he regularly won the Big 12, was able to make it to the College World Series, but now he gets to go to a program with so many more resources in Texas A&M than what he had in Fort Worth. And he hasn't even started recruiting, essentially, the roster that he wants to build for Texas A&M, you know, so much of the success they've had this year has come to the transfer portal, which I'm sure he'll use more in the future. But, you know, with his Texas high school baseball contacts, I mean, that's mostly going to be uh, a homegrown roster from here on out. And they're already in the College Bowl Series, and they have a very good chance to win it. So uh, I'm really impressed with all four teams from the SEC that were able to make it, as well as Oklahoma and Texas, of course, who are coming into the SEC. And, you know, Texas looked lost midway through the season, and they found a way to get back uh, to this point. That really is remarkable. Of the four, who has the best shot of playing for the title? Uh, The four that has the best shot, I I have to give Notre Dame a lot of credit. I think what the Fighting Irish did in Knoxville has got to spill over to Omaha uh, with the way they were able to find ways to piece together those two wins against Tennessee. I I think Notre Dame is going to have a really long run in this tournament. I think Texas A&M, Arkansas, and maybe I'll put Auburn in that boat as well. So if I had to go with four, I think Ole Miss would be the only team from the SEC that I would kind of leave out. Uh, is making it to that last four in this thing. But I, I just think Notre Dame and maybe some combination of Texas A&M or Arkansas will end up playing for the title. Uh, I'm really impressed with all those teams. Roger, um, does it make Alabama's season look a little bit better, the fact that four teams from their division made it to the College World Series? I think so, and they thumped Arkansas. Uh, whether it was in the regular season, uh, you know, taking two out of three in the very last weekend, then beat them soundly in uh, Hoover as well for the SEC tournament. I think that says a lot. Uh, you know, they won a series against Texas A&M, and A&M uh, really kind of looked lost, uh, kind of like Texas. I mentioned they looked lost. You know, when Alabama won that series against A&M, I didn't even know A&M would make it to Hoover with the hard road they had in front of them uh, after that. But they regrouped and played really good baseball because, again, they have a really good coach and a good roster. Uh, so I think definitely, you know, Alabama swept Ole Miss. Ole Miss, you know, there was conversations, could this be the end of the Mike Bianco era in Oxford uh, when Alabama was playing there and swept them earlier in the season. So I think that's a great point. I think Alabama, it just shows how tough that job is. And you're recruiting against these programs day in and day out. You know, another program in your state is having success like Auburn is. Uh, it just shows how tough 
uh, this job can be. But also it shows that Alabama played some really good baseball this year. And it's still a shame that uh, they were a few wins shy of making it to that NCAA tournament field because we could have seen a run like this for Alabama, at least maybe the Super Regionals. Uh, the feeling around the program once the SEC tournament was done was if we get a chance, we have a very good chance. No matter where Alabama was going to go for the regional round, Everyone felt really good about making it to Super Regionals because the pitching staff was kind of coming together and the lineup was getting more consistent at that time of the year, and uh, it just shows how tough college baseball really is. Roger, this may be a difficult question to answer off the cuff, but I'm going to challenge you anyway. Uh, you're in a very <laughs> u- unique position in that you got to see all four of these teams from the SEC up up close. Uh, you studied them uh, in your prep work for for doing the games. Is there a are there common characteristics or a common characteristic among these uh, four teams? And is there anything? Is there like a, a blueprint? that we can extract uh, in in how these teams made it there that that Alabama could learn from? I think the one key ingredient is pitching, and especially pitchers with velocity both in the starting rotation and coming out of the bullpen. And I think the College uh, World Series and the NCAA tournament at this point has shown us uh, you've got to be able to hold on to a lead late. And uh, I think that's why Burkhalter, like I mentioned with the Auburn Tigers, I think that's why they're able to move on. If he was able to get key outs at the end of those games against Oregon State. So I think you've got to have elite pitching first and foremost. And then along with that, you've got to have a really solid catcher like Auburn has in LaRue and Texas A&M has in Clunch. Uh, I think if you don't have a solid catcher, working day in, day out with these different pitching staffs. I, I think that makes a huge difference. And I think all the teams that ultimately end up being successful in this tournament have veteran catchers. And I think that's something that Alabama's had before in the past. I think Dominic Demez did a really good job of that this past year with Crimson Tide, but um, certainly the rock for Alabama last year in making it a deep run in the SEC tournament and in NCAA regionals was the play of Sam Prater. And you've got to be able to develop a catcher that can work with a pitching staff. Also, contribute offensively. I think catchers that contribute offensively are key. But I I think it all starts with pitching. You've got to have elite pitching, both in the rotation and the bullpen. And you've got to have that kind of velocity, you know, 95 and above. And you've got to have really four or five pitchers, whether it's starters or relievers. Because when you get to this point of the season, you mainly rely on about five or six pitchers at this point. You've got to be able to have those guys have just elite, you know, professional level um, fastballs, but also explosive breaking balls, good change-ups, and just high pitchability. I think that's the most important ingredient, and that's where Alabama has been hurt the last couple of years. The pitching staff has just suffered so many injuries, and the plan that Jason Jackson, the pitching coach, Brad Bohanna, the head coach, put on paper you know, in the fall going into a season has kind of disintegrated because of injuries. And Alabama's played well despite those injuries. But I think once you see a healthy Alabama pitching staff for a year, it's going to look like some of these programs that are making it to Omaha this year. Roger Hoover, Crimson Tide Sports Network, is our guest for a final question here. Uh, Tennessee uh, not only became the bad boys of the SEC and and really all of college baseball, uh, they embraced it. Uh, what led to their demise, and what does their future look like with what did you say six first round with six players going in the major leagues uh, in the upcoming season? 
You know, it's really interesting. I think their demise was mostly, uh, you know, giving up home runs. Pitching staff did not perform as well as it had throughout the season, and Notre Dame was able to really take advantage both on Friday night and on Sunday uh, with the long ball. And, you know, a few of them would have gone out in many yards, but uh, they play in a smaller ballpark, Lindsay Nelson Stadium on campus in Knoxville, and uh, the game-tying home run on Sunday certainly was what people around SEC baseball call a Lindsey Nelson Stadium home run. It would not have gone out of School Thomas Stadium in Tuscaloosa. It would not have gone out of playing some park down at Auburn or a Baum Walker Stadium in Arkansas. You know, it was kind of a uh, you know three hundred and seven foot home run <laughs> just barely scraped over the wall. So I think that was uh, a part of it. And then just a lack of timely hitting from Tennessee, maybe relying on home runs a little too much, uh, really hurt their offense. Uh, but I think ultimately they were good for college baseball because they were compelling. And I think a lot of people were watching Notre Dame and Tennessee game three just to even root against Tennessee with kind of the brashness they play with. Uh, but they certainly made headlines. And uh, as far as the future, I'm not sure because they're, they're making them miss a ton from this group. And they missed a lot from last year's team that went to the College World Series. But uh, they're going to lose nearly everybody that's like a recognizable star from this Tennessee baseball team except for – the pitchers. They're going to bring back Chase Burns, who started Game 3 against Notre Dame. They're going to bring back a Drew Beam, who's the SEC freshman of the year, and they bring back the SEC pitcher of the year in Chase Dolander. So their entire starting rotation is essentially coming back. That's a good place for Tony Vitello to start from next year, but the lineup's going to be dramatically different, and uh, I think now that they've been you know, number one for most of the season, they went to the World Series last year, their recruiting is going to be really good, but they're also going to be hurt by the major league draft, taking away a lot of the players they maybe expected to come back for a year or some high school players they're hoping just to get to campus. So I think that's going to be fascinating to follow. And again, it's amazing the SEC gets four teams to Omaha, and Tennessee is not one of those teams. I think that's one of the biggest stories that you could possibly have going into Omaha in the College World Series. Roger Hoover from Crimson Tide Sports Network, our guest here on the Jay Barker Show. Uh, Roger, before we uh, let you go, we know when and how and where we can listen to you. Um, do you have, like, Twitter feeds and all that? Can people follow you on, on, on certain platforms? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Twitter's a great place to start. Uh, my personal account is at Roger underscore Hoover. And then all the work I do for the Crimson Tide Sports Network ends up on the Crimson Tide Sports Network feed at UA underscore CTSN. And uh, coming up later today at 2 o'clock, I'll be going live on our Facebook page uh, with Director of Athletics for the University of Alabama, Greg Byrne, talking about a variety of uh, different issues. We always have a monthly conversation talking about Alabama athletics, but uh, taking a big look at what happened at SEC spring meetings, kind of some of the planning that's coming up for uh, the football season as well. So we'll have that interview coming up. Also, a Crimson Drive driven by Tuscaloosa Toyota will be coming up on Thursday at 2 o'clock on our Facebook page as well. Uh, we'll have a lot of different interviews also on the Alabama Insider Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. So a lot coming up uh, to talk about with Greg Byrne, first and foremost, this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Ask Greg for us if he'd ever consider becoming the next SEC commissioner. Or the czar. <laughs> I think that's in his feet. Yeah, after Sankey becomes the czar, I think Greg, think Greg is Greg first, Burns, first okay. in line. I don't be, want him to leave Alabama, to be honest. Oh, I, I think he's the best. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, Matt. I, I, I like the job he is. And everyone's always like, wouldn't Dick Saban yeah. make a great president? My answer is no. He makes a great head football coach at the University of Alabama. Let's keep this thing rolling. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, 2 o'clock's a big deal. Uh, we'll promote it again for you. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Roger. Always appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Indeed, Roger Hoover from the Crimson Tide Sports Network.
we jumped right into recruiting and then College World Series information with Roger Hoover, and we just barely even mentioned some of the larger stories nationally. So we're going to get to those. And also a few notes on the heat. I did some research on on heat in Alabama. That's coming up. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHealth.com. Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audiovisual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. Gary Burley here for Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. As a 10-year National Football League veteran, you can imagine my surprise being diagnosed with cancer and starting chemotherapy treatment back in 2014. I suffered from a lot of pain and offered up prayer during those days as I made it into remission. But I developed neuropathy. Anyone that suffers from this condition knows the pain is excruciating, nerve numbness and tingling along the tissue that won't heal. I tried everything for relief, folks, until my wife suggested I call Dr. Williford of Williford Chiropractic and wellness. I called at 205-909-7373 and scheduled an appointment. After three treatments, I began experiencing relief that I haven't had in years. If you're suffering from neuropathy, I suggest you reach out to Dr. Williford and his great staff at WilfordChiropracticAndWellness.com. Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. Give them a call at 205-909-7373. Balance your brain. Balance your life. Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Hi, it's Jay Barker for Siebel's in downtown Homewood, and now's the time to get your special place ready. Come in and let Siebel's design your porch with Kingsley Bait Outdoor Furniture and one of their custom swinging beds. For the great room, you're going to need their Carson Swivel Recliner. Siebel's is the number one Carson Recliner dealer in the country, and Sarah and I, we've got one, and we absolutely love it. Be sure also to check out their famous custom-made beds and bunk beds built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to Siebel'sCottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel'sCottage.com. 
It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's GoFan.letterC letter O. Back on the Jay Barker Show, Lars Anderson and Matt Coulter with you. We just flew through that first segment or two, didn't we? Yeah. Um, before we get into the next topic, Matt, I thought Roger Hoover said something very interesting, and I've never heard this before. And you're a big baseball person. You, you've studied the game. You've played the game. And, and Roger said a, a common uh, characteristic among the four SEC West teams that are playing in the College World Series is that they have a really good catcher. That's just something I've never heard before. Can you expound upon that? Well, I think because they're in the limelight, they're on the bump, the pitchers are going to get the big time, and then your big hitters are going to get that. But I think people do notice what a catcher can do in saving base runners and runs simply by being able to block pitches. And please look him up. Who's Harvard's catcher? Need to give him kudos. Yeah. But – if you're a pitcher and you've got really good stuff, but a curveball that ends up in the dirt is one of them, you can't have an average catcher. You got to have a guy that's Nate willing. LaRue. Nate Larue. Oh, and by the way, what a great name! Yeah, it just uh, it just right. flows. How did I forget Nate, Nate, Nate LaRue. We were together last night when he was. Yeah, he was, I know. And you uh, even said, "What, what a, a great, great name!" name. <laughs> but guess what? What a horrible memory. But anyway, <laughs> if a pitcher has good stuff, he wants to be comfortable throwing that curveball in the dirt and know that the catcher's going to block it. And they got chest protectors and everything. It really doesn't hurt that much, but you still got to get in front of it. You still got to take it. And then you got a catcher that can do that, call a game, and contribute offensively. You're right. Roger made a very astute observation. How does this work? Does Okay, so the manager signals into the catcher the pitch that he wants. Yeah. And then the catcher signals that to the pitcher, correct? I, I believe uh, What so, if the yeah. pitcher waves him off? The, the pitcher, ultimately, he's going to throw the ball. So he, But if he's, if he's shaking off his coach a lot, he's, they're not going to be very happy. Unless, and here's an interesting little twist, unless he's whiffing everybody. And he's shaking off his coach, and he just threw nine pitches and struck out three hitters. Um. Probably going to let him keep going, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, the pitcher knows what he wants, what he's throwing well. Yeah. And when he, and when, you know, it, 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 I'm assuming it changes from when you're warming up to when you're actually on the mound because the adrenaline is flowing so much more. And on a major league level, as much as I follow the game, I'm still not really in the loop on how they're communicating through these earpieces. And the catcher has something that he signals into the pitcher, but that's a story for another day. Update on Auburn. They won it 4-3. Of course, their next game will be, unfortunately, uh, against another SEC foe, another SEC West foe. They will play Ole Miss Saturday night on ESPN. 
6 o'clock, I believe, is uh, first pitch. So, Auburn fans, you don't have to stay up all night uh, <laughs> like you did for a few of the games uh, that really? were played out in Corvallis, Oregon. And, um, uh, yeah, every, all these teams are going to, to my home state, to Nebraska. And as a kid, I went to the College World Series so much and always had a, a, a great time. And, and, and the fans there, it, it, I, it, this is one of the reasons why it stayed in Omaha for so long, is that the the locals they will fill that stadium up right it doesn't matter if uh, none of them nobody in omaha has uh, omaha nebraska has ever really seen auburn or ole miss play uh that the, the place will be a, a near sellout because uh because they have so much local support and um it's uh it, it's truly one of the uh special events in all of college athletics i think how big is omaha Almost about a million, about the okay. same size as Birmingham. Yep, it's, oh. it's so different than Birmingham though because it's so spread out. Yeah. Whereas well, you can Birmingham, see. it's old. You know, it's an older city, and it's like we're closer together here. But well, we have mountains too. They yes. don't have those in Omaha. Today. Zero. You can Zero. see from one end of town to the other. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it is as uh, flat as an ironing board, and uh, it is hot. Uh, not a lot of trees. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's more trees in, in Vestavia, where I live, than in all of Omaha. But uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a great town. Um, it's where the Reuben was invented. If, anybody, if any, any Auburn fans are going to Omaha, get a, get a Reuben. What's that other sandwich you recommend? The, a Runza. Get a, a Runza. Runza. Get, a, get a Runza and a Reuben, two R's. All right. Speaking of heat, the heat index right here in Birmingham today could reach 110. Wow. Uh, I think the high temperature is like 98, 99. It's not even summer yet. Not even summer yet. Yeah, right. You want to take a guess at the hottest temperature ever recorded. This is temperature, not heat index in the state of Alabama. And here's a big hint for you. It was on September 6, 1925. No, I wasn't here. (laughs) In Centerville, which is over in Bibb County. What do you think the hottest ever recorded? Uh, hundred and thirteen. Wow, you are one off, one twelve. Oh wow! So, uh, just to help us think about it, what do you think the coldest in this state? By the mm-hmm. way, this would make sense. It was in North Alabama, New Market, which is up near Huntsville, and uh, this was in nineteen sixty six when I lived in Huntsville, mm-hmm. and I don't remember this. Minus fifteen, not bad. Minus twenty seven. Wow. And I was like seven, eight. It's almost a hundred degree variance there. Yeah. Very good. And and well your your father was a lawyer and a colonel. <laughs> yes. So he probably had math skills too, but minus twenty seven blows me away and the fact that I was alive and experiencing it and don't remember it, it's another LaRue. <laughs> yeah, on the other uh, side, hey, let's uh let's get in the NBA finals real quick on the uh, other side of the break. Let's do that. You're listening to the Jay Barker Show. That's Lars Anderson, longtime sports writer. I'm Matt Coulter, the local uh, kicking it around sportscaster. Back in a flash. You're listening to the Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny and very hot today. Just a small chance of any one spot getting a shower through the evening hours. The high today, 96. The low tonight, 72. Tomorrow morning, sunshine. A few scattered afternoon storms around. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 93 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. When we talk baseball, we kind of lean in my direction. By the way, welcome back to Jay Barker's show. It's Matt and Lars. Josh, Jonathan, Joe. The gang is present. When we talk baseball, I usually try and chime in a little bit. When we talk NBA, we try and go your way. Um, you uh, you made a great selection last night. May I say that? I did. Cleaned 104, up. 94. I took uh, the uh, – it was uh, – Golden State was a four-point favorite and loaded up on GS, and they delivered. Uh, yeah, so Golden State, they have, uh, I think, really taken control of this series, uh, winning 104-94 to 94, uh, in Game 5 last night over the Celtics. And uh, now they're ahead in the series, 3-2. to two. The, boss, or the uh, sh- uh, series shifts uh, to the East Coast, back to Boston. And uh, I think it'll be really difficult for Golden State to win uh, at the Garden. Uh, but, um, and I've said this from the beginning, Matt, this, it's always felt kind of like a coin flip series and I, I've thought that it was going to go seven and I think the series should go seven. Uh, but what was really amazing about last night was Steph Curry after playing the best game, you could say arguably of his career in game four. I mean, basically single handedly, uh, delivering the victory to uh, Golden State, he played the worst game of his playoff it's career. Amazing, uh, really the the worst game. It was a, he was zero for nine from three pointers, and that's the first time in four years and two hundred and thirty three games that he didn't make a three. So I, this is uh, off the charts rare. And if you would have uh, told anyone before the game that Steph Curry is going to go zero for nine. And, uh, and, and and in general, that the that the Warriors were really going to struggle from beyond the arc, because that's where they make their money. Uh, you would think that Celtics would run away with this thing, and uh, but but no, they didn't. Uh, namely, because Andrew Wiggins, former first round, former number one overall pick, oh, is, 19... at, at age at age twenty seven now. He really is living up to that. And this is a great redemption story. A lot of people uh, who follow the NBA just, you know, labeled him a bust. And and he didn't let that get to him. And he, he uh, the, the, the uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Golden State front office traded for him. And a lot of people thought he was just sort of an afterthought in this trade, uh, kind of a, a throw-in player. 
And now Wiggins has emerged as one of the three or four most important players in this entire series, and I include both teams on that. Uh, he made some spectacular plays. There was a one drive to the basket where if his la- you wouldn't have been surprised if there was Jordan, number 23, on his jersey, the move that he made. Uh, it was just incredible going to his left hand, floating through the air, and then uh, hitting some big three-pointers, playing really good defense. Again, Golden State is so undersized, and uh, it really just – a, 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 a solid game, and and I gotta say, the Celtics they they did a really good job against Curry. They made adjustments again against him. They basically had the big men uh, crowd him more off of screens, and they employed more switches to uh, to really sort of get in his face and, and make it more difficult for him beyond the uh, shooting from you know twenty five thirty feet. And once uh, they got him out of his rhythm, Curry couldn't find it again. But um, it just it, it just shows you that this, it's a total team game. It's a team game. And there were other players who stepped up. I mean, Draymond Green, he did all those little things. He infused the team, the Golden State Warriors, with energy last night. He hadn't done that since, uh, I think it was game uh, 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 t- game. Uh, t- uh, what was it? Game two that he, he yeah was that, dominant. That, yeah that he didn't play like that. He and he said uh, after the game, he's like, you know, I felt like myself, and and so we'll we'll get into this more in the next hour. Uh, but just a really compelling series. Again, now it shifts back to Boston, and uh, and we'll see. Uh, I, I think I think Boston is probably going to prevail in Game Six. This it has the just the feel of a series that is going to go seven games. Game six is at the Garden, 8 o'clock this Thursday night. I just got a text from the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham. He will be with us in literally about seven minutes. Also, coming the next hour, Mick Gillespie, all on the Jay Barker Show. Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance. The fit specialist at the New Balance Birmingham store conduct an in-depth analysis of your foot size, shape, and gait, determining the best New Balance shoes for you. Experience the difference of custom fit today at the New Balance Birmingham store on Highway 280 next to Chick-fil-A. New Balance Birmingham. Your feet will thank you. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option. High-intensity focused ultrasound or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for high food treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHEALTH.com. I'm excited to tell you about our newest sponsor here on the Jay Barker Radio Network. They pioneered the Chicken Finger Box and the Chicken Finger Restaurant. That's Guthrie's. Guthrie's recipes and processes are often imitated but never duplicated. Look, their sauce is probably the most copied sauce of all sauces of all time. And I've known this family since my days down in Tuscaloosa. And they came over, and man, I tell you, it's nostalgic even today to see my kids going to that same Guthrie's. And great family, do so much for the community, but more importantly, provide the best when it comes to chicken fingers. Get out to Guthrie's today. 
I want to tell you about my good friends at Southern Assurance Group. Hi, it's Jay Barker, and look, Ken Needham has done a terrific job. Local company, 205-980-1505 is their number. That's 980-1505. Again, local, you can speak with the same team every time you give them a call. Full line of products from Auto Home, Boat Life. You'll trust them. They have a great uh, deal as far as the relationships they build with their customers and 20 years with the same company and industry. Custom approach for your insurance needs. Give them a call, 980-1505. That is Southern Assurance Group. Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Whether it's for lunch or dinner, head out to the Cajun Steamer. It's a New Orleans-style joint that serves authentic Cajun and Creole food, cold beer, and great drinks. They are known for their wide array of Cajun classics and original creations prepared in an authentic fashion. This Louisiana kitchen can have you slapping the table for more. Stop by the Cajun Steamer and sign up for your Alabama, LSU, or Auburn fan card. Eat with the Cajun Steamer while your team is on TV and use your fan card to receive a 15% discount on your entire meal. With locations in Hoover, Trustful, Huntsville, and Franklin, Tennessee, they've got you covered. Head out today to the Cajun Steamer. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's GoFan dot letter C, letter O. Birmingham's best Mexican restaurant for over 20 years and counting. That's La Paz Restaurant in Crestline Village and Mount Laurel. They've got a great staff. Its delicious menu, award-winning cheese dip, and margaritas and vibrant atmosphere have helped to make La Paz a local favorite. Blue corn nachos, Texas barbecue quesadillas, steak and blue quesadillas, Baja fish tacos, signature fajitas, and much, much more. So head over to La Paz today. If you want a great lunch or a great dinner, you'll find all that at La Paz, Crestline, and Mount Laurel for lunch or dinner. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Who you are is more important than what you do. The only way that you're going to have any kind of success in your life, you have to buy into a process of what it takes to reach a goal. How can I be the best I can be at what I do? How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life, and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have, but without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite. You have to have toughness. What does it take to break you? I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in, you're tired, or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should? I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's going to be difficult if you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just because you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. 
You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tide. Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992, winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, 35-2-1, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. Welcome in hour number two of the Jay Barker Show. Matt Coulter sitting in along with Lars Anderson. And in total transparency, Lars and I were just sitting there listening to the intro. It's Nick Saban. It's Jay Barker. And then you're a professor at the University of Alabama. I'm thinking Andy Burton, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, is on hold. And he's listening to all this. And Andy, are you still there? Yes. <laughs> that was pitch perfect. Oh, that was... <laughs> oh Andy, you, you know you're just—I've known you forty years. You're a swell guy, and thank you for doing this on the fly. <laughs> My pleasure. If, if I if I gave if I gave you a war eagle, if I tried to do a five touchdown hey, over, would that make any hey, difference? WDE baby. WDE. We were pulling. I, I I hope I'm like a lot of others. Pull them like hell for I, I have no dog in the fight. I'm a, uh, I, I just uh, want the state to do well. Yeah, and uh, and they did. And thank you for joining us, and thank you for last minute. Uh, are you still in Oregon? We are. Yeah, we're uh, we're about to load the bus, and uh, and bus to the Portland airport, and then we'll fly back into Montgomery, and then bus back into Auburn. Get back about ten o'clock tonight. Just for an overall feel for you. The Auburn Tigers, uh, and how things worked out last night. That, and first of all, great broadcast. That's, that must have been fun too. It was, and um, this this has been a, a different team to cover because last night was much more indicative of how Auburn has played and won games this year rather than the fifty one runs that it scored in the regional last weekend at Auburn. That was a little bit of a departure from what we've seen from this team. Last night in this reach, this Super Regional, was much more in line with what we've seen from this team. It doesn't come easy to this ball club, and yet it's uh, it's going to fly back to Auburn tonight and then get on another plane and head to Omaha tomorrow. And uh, so Auburn will have a couple days before its first game in Omaha against Ole Miss on Saturday night, and we'll probably need those two days to – Get reacclimated to the central time zone, get reacclimated to hot weather. 
the high out here was like 62 the entire time we've been here. So there's a lot of uh, getting acclimated to before uh, Auburn gets ready for that first game Saturday night. Yeah, that's a great point. We're talking to Andy Burcham, the uh, voice of the Auburn Tigers, who uh, is in Corvallis, Oregon right now. And, uh, Andy, I'm from Nebraska, and one of my friends just texted me. It's a, it's about 105 in, in Omaha wow. right now. Wow. And uh, so it's going to be a little different atmosphere. But, and, you know, I just I'm not a huge baseball person, but just watching this Auburn team, the uh, adjective that comes to mind is grit. And they just fight and fight and fight. You know, even though, you know, last night they got out hit, but they found a way to win. What is it? What is there? There seems to be like some quality about this team that is very hard to define that makes them special. Well, I think it's taken on the personality of its head coach. And, and that grit, I think, is a good way to describe Butch Thompson. You know, he waited for a long time to get that chance to be a head coach in the SEC. And... In that first year, they were rebuilding. And in the second year, they came within a strike of winning a regional and going to a super regional. In the third year, they won a regional and took Florida to the final, well, extra innings in the final game of the super regional. And then they, they broke through in 2019. Uh, and um, listen, this was a team after last year. Last year was a tough year, no question about it. Auburn had injuries up and down, lost a ton of one-run games, and had to just win a, a series at the end of the year to get in the SEC tournament. And so when Auburn came into this season, the, Auburn was picked dead last in the SEC West. Hardly anyone outside this program gave this team a chance to do anything, let alone host a regional and now go to Omaha. But Auburn, in a lot of sports, guys, plays with that chip on its shoulder. It plays its best when there isn't a lot of people giving them a chance to win. And and that is this team. It has been this team all year. Auburn had to listen on Selection Day to to the talking heads say, well, we're not even sure that Auburn deserves to host a regional. And then when they <laughs> scored 51 runs, there was a rider out here that, that held that against Auburn, that Auburn yawned through its regional by scoring 51 runs like that wasn't a good thing. Uh, I don't think he was yawning yesterday when Auburn won that super regional in a four to three thriller. I think I know who that writer is. Go ahead. Do you really, all right, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's get him on next. Yeah. Oh, well, it, it was is it was Sonny a writer D out the, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, is Sonny D kind of the the face of this team? Uh, and if so, what kind of guys he like to be around? I don't know if he's the face of the team. I, I think the face of this team is a Brody Moore or a Carson Skipper, they're legacy guys that, you know, that, that and Brody and Case and Howell were both on that 19 team that went to the World Series. But Sonny is, you know, you take a look at Sonny, and he's not the typical-looking college baseball player. He is from Hoover. He played at Sanford, had a good career at Sanford, but he was a 280, 290 hitter at Sanford with some pop. And then he transfers to Auburn, and he flirts with 400 most of the year and has now hit 22 homers. He will win Auburn's triple crown. He's the SEC co-player of the year, and he's going to Omaha, Nebraska. And he talked with Brad Law on our broadcast after the game, and, and you could tell what was dawning on him. You know, a year ago, he and Brooks Carlson and Chase Isbell 
with Sanford played in that Mississippi State region. Uh, so they were in postseason play. And then they transferred to Auburn, and now all of a sudden they're getting ready to go to Omaha, Nebraska. So I, I, I wonder what goes through their mind after, after a really good, three good careers at Sanford, but now they're getting a chance to, to play for a national championship on Saturday. He is a great story. There's no question about it because in many regards he has come out of nowhere to you know flirt with numbers that Frank Thomas put up at Auburn. Andy, this is a uh, purely a, a logistical question. Was there any thought of of Auburn just flying straight to Omaha rather than coming back here and then going to Omaha? They play, I know they play uh, first game Saturday night. Uh, and then two, uh, have you did, has the bullpen been this impressive all season long? There have been times where the bullpen has been a bit spotty. Blake Burkhalter has been very steady, although last night, he was spectacular, uh, setting down all eight men he faced against a really good Oregon State team. And he did, in the ninth, he faced their number one, two, and three hitters um, and, and just mowed them down. And that was a spectacular outing. Carson Skipper has been steady for Auburn as the setup guy for Burkhalter and has really elevated his game of late in Skipper. But... The big change for Auburn, what about mid-season, mid-SEC season, is the depth of the bullpen. Chase Isbell, Tommy Sheehan, Carson Swilling, John Armstrong, those guys have been just fantastic for Auburn. Brooks Fuller, guys that, you know, may pitch once or twice on a weekend or a midweek, but they have given Auburn some depth. So it hasn't had to always be just Skipper and Burkhalter. Uh, and add Chase Alsop, who has, has uh, asserted himself a true freshman, also from Dothan, like Burkhalter. So I would say the depth of the bullpen has been the biggest improvement on, on that side of the ball for the Tigers. With regard to your first question, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I've not, I, did, I, I, that, I have never heard that, them talk about that. Uh, we've got to go home and, 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 and do, our clo- you know, do our laundry. And then get out of there and head to Omaha tomorrow. I know you got a bus to catch, and we appreciate you joining us on the fly like this. But one final question, I guess it's kind of logistical in nature. On television, the stadium in Corvallis, to me, looked like a bandbox. Had no foul territory. It looked to yeah. be relatively small. But I guess you're in some rarefied air, so maybe the ball didn't carry. Just quickly talk about that field. It's a four, four, 4,300 uh, fans, stands, I guess, with bleachers beyond the left field wall and the right field wall. It's not a big ballpark, but they pack it out. That was a great atmosphere that Auburn played in. Uh, a full turf field, and it's not the, it, it's an old. I mean, they've been playing ball there like since the 19-teens on that site. They've obviously added to the stadium itself. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some much bigger, newer, nicer stadiums that we see in the Southeastern Conference. But last year's, last night, this weekend's atmosphere was tremendous, outstanding here in, in Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, Sonny made comment on that, uh, talking about it in postgame. He said, what, what an unbelievable atmosphere. Hey, go catch the yeah. bus, Andy. Thank you so much. My Thanks pleasure. Safe man. travels. All My right. pleasure, guys. Have a great day, cool, all right? Man. 
All right, you too. Uh, one of the really, really good guys. I don't think you can tell that. Andy Burson, voice of the Auburn Tigers. You know, and he's well-decorated, too. Uh, voted Alabama Sportscaster of the Year in 2021. And uh, he really follows in the footsteps uh, of Giants and, and Rod Bramlett uh, specifically and, 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 you know, taking over that job under very uh, difficult circumstances. Uh, really just a, a true pro, Matt, and you've known him for a long, long time. Yeah, uh, since like 82, so 40 years. But I, I just got this visual of Andy sitting there around the team waiting to get on a bus, listening to that intro and going, I, w- I, w- I wish I could see his face. <laughs> You ever think about just going, eh, maybe next time. <laughs> uh, hey, Mick, the Mick Gillespie's coming up next on the Jay Barker Show. You're listening to the Jay Barker Show live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny and very hot today. Just a small chance of any one spot getting a shower through the evening hours. The high today, 96. The low tonight, 72. Tomorrow morning, sunshine. A few scattered afternoon storms around. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 94 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide. The best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on the Jay Barker Show, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter with you. Also joined now by Mickey. Mick Gillespie is on the phone line with us. Hey, Mick, how are you? Hey, what's up, guys? Doing great. Did, did your friends ever play that song for you growing up? Um, I, You know what? My sister used to play that for me growing up, so I've, I've definitely heard it before. Um, and she was, uh, there was a music video of that song that came out on MTV. And, um, yeah, she, you know, she was a couple years younger and, uh, would use it to try to irritate me, but I liked the song, so it didn't work. You know, it backfired. <laughs> I remember that video. It was a really good video. It was there like cheerleaders in the video. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. forget, but Very good yeah, looking I, I, I think, yeah. Okay, before we get into uh, college baseball, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, something that Matt and I didn't get a chance to discuss yesterday, and that was uh, Texas A and M. Uh, specifically uh, the the president and uh, Ross Bjork, the athletic director, they asked the SEC to consider suspending or fining Nick Saban for the comments Saban made uh, about Texas A&M. Now, you know what? Uh, Nick Saban did not ask the SEC to fine or suspend Jimbo for the press conference, right? And really, that was um, that was slander. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, talk about throwing somebody it was under the bus. Far more egregious yes. than so. What what does this whole thing do? Does this just uh, add more gasoline to the fire of uh, the rivalry and and the intensity of what we're going to see here in October? Oh yeah, I mean, like the, you're talking about um, Nick Saban's. Uh, what do you say? His narcissism won't let him. I mean, yeah, I, I was embarrassed. Jimbo and I'm and look I know I'm biased 
okay? I, I've been graduated from Alabama. I've been covering Alabama since before Nick Saban was, was head coach. Um, and I've been there through all of the winning. I, I honestly, I can say I've been there through thick and thin. And people that are young don't remember the thin. But I can tell you that it was there. And, uh, you know, when we used to stink, and now we're great, you know. Uh, and I've seen Nick Saban do it the right way. Um, at, you know, the right way, that, the way that you can do it the right way these days. And, you know, I, I, he said that he, he probably shouldn't have, uh, have singled out Texas A&M. But the thing that bothers me about Texas A&M is, first off, no one, including Nick Saban, ever said they were doing anything legal. But they, but it, it's, it's like they think we're all stupid. Like, they think that we're, that we don't know what's going on and it, and we do look they're, they're they've set up nils every single player's got one they have this recruiting class with absolutely no reason to have a bit of momentum they beat alabama but they lost to mississippi state and a bunch of other schools they should have beat they didn't even i don't even think they played the bowl game right i mean alabama under nick saban has had a share uh, of the sec how many times they they've been uh, contending for a national championship every single year since 08. And it, it's, it's just like when you, every time they try to double down Jimbo, he makes himself look worse and worse. And here is another great, you know, scenario where, you know, hey, the SEC can come in and they're going to find Alabama for what? For telling the truth? He, he, if you were going to find anyone, you would find him for the personal attack. That he made on Nick Saban, and I'm I'm curious because I don't know Nick Saban personally. I'm curious how that uh, has affected Nick Saban because the one thing that I do get from him is that he really does care what coaches think about him. It's something that he, I, I you hardly ever hear him single out a coach in a negative way. Honestly, I think it's the first time I can remember him ever doing that. But I think that it's because he feels like that the that, that, that the game is on the line here, and and it's not about Texas A&M or Miami or any of these other schools, Texas, that are going to pay for all of these players and take advantage of the NIL in a way that it wasn't intended for. I think he's worried about the overall state of college football. Um, and then, you know, since then, everything he said has kind of led me down the road where he's genuinely concerned about what college football is going to turn into. I think we all see, in Alabama particularly, but I think in the Southeastern Conference, most people see, um, I think Jimbo and, and the staff at A&M for what they are, and in my opinion, they act like a bunch of babies. But nationally, um, just to pull a name out of the hat from baseball, what do people in Corvallis, Oregon, think about this situation? Because I get the feeling nationally, Nick Saban may be viewed as the bad guy. I don't know. I mean, look, when you win all the time, um, it's, you know, it's a love hate relationship. When, when Alabama was, uh, coached by Mike Shula or Mike DeBose or Dennis Franchoni, uh, no one cared about Alabama. They, they, they were just kind of like, Oh yeah. Hey, you know what? It would be really great if, uh, Alabama was good again. It's, it's good for the game, but it was Florida. And Florida State and Tennessee and, you know, and all these other schools that were contending, you know, um, that people hated, right? 
Uh, now, all of a sudden, Alabama's that school that, that, that people hate. And I see it. Look, I've talked to people who, uh, who totally think that Jimbo Fisher is right and that Alabama is, uh, you know, is basically just trying to, to, to bend the rules in their favor. Uh, even though I disagree with them, I have heard those arguments. So it, do, it would not surprise me if there wasn't a faction um, of college football fans that are going to side against Alabama, a lot like we see with you know Heisman voting or the years where it comes down to hey you know what Alabama may not get in if you know uh, you know to the fourth playoff spot even though their resume is way better than whoever else it is there's people that are going to go against Alabama no matter what and I think there's some national media who do that just to, to try to you know go against the grain to try to grab headlines. And, um, you know, so I, I could definitely see that being the case. But at the end of the day, the point isn't that Jimbo Fisher uh, is, you know, is hurt over what Nick Saban said. The point is, is that we have a big problem with the direction of college football and paying athletes in a sport that's supposed to be amateur and no rules set up on how to pay them, how much to pay them, who gets paid, who doesn't get paid how to distribute those funds, are you allowed to use it to recruit that you're not supposed to, the teams are, who's going to regulate that. And I really feel like at, it, it doesn't matter what Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M AD uh, are, are saying. Uh, I feel like they're grasping for dear life because with all the money that they've spent, if they don't win, they're in big trouble. You know, But I think it, that for – the sport itself, um, that, 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 that something's got to get figured out or who knows what it's going to look like. I mean, it's, it's, it's like Lane Kiffin said, you know, it's, it's like a, there's no salary. And, and can you imagine there's no other sport like that where there's just no guidelines? And I think that that's what the debate needs to stay on, and that's what Nick Saban's point was. Mick, Arch Manning uh, had a, a visit to Tuscaloosa on an official uh, this past weekend. By all accounts, uh, Corny Andrew Bone, our uh, recruiting expert, that it, it went really well. Uh, but if you uh, look at on3.com uh, and, and 24-7, they have these uh, complex metrics that they use to, uh, I don't know, they, they plug numbers into a machine and, and, and it spits out uh, percentage, percentages of, of where uh, the probability of where Arch is going to go. And, and right now, Texas is basically at 50%. Georgia's at 40%. Alabama's right around four or five percent. Uh, what what is your analysis of of whether or not Alabama has a legit shot of, of landing Arch? Look, I, I don't know how good my source is, but I had a person tell me that Texas was going to give him an, a fourteen or fifteen million dollar NIL deal. So I've had them at the top of the list since the very beginning. I mean, I think you make the visits, and why wouldn't you want to come to Tuscaloosa and meet Nick Saban? But, but look, I mean, if, if that's the case or it's anything close to that, and why wouldn't it be? I mean, if you're paying for guys who aren't a Manning to come to your school, why wouldn't you? And besides that, Alabama has a quarterback that's already committed out of that, you know, for that year. I'm not saying that, that if someone could pull this off, it wouldn't be Nick Saban, because that's why I'm not ready to close the door on this yet, because 
Nick Saban's the greatest recruiter that we've ever seen, right? Um, but with that said, I just even you know seeing all the stuff that uh, that came out this week, no one covers recruiting better than Andrew Bone. You know, he's my boy, and he's the best. Uh, so I was taking a look at what he said, and and you know, and I, I'm sure it was a great visit. But at the end of the day, I'm just not convinced at all that George is even at 40%. I feel like this is Texas, and it, and it comes down to uh, the, the $14 million that I, if, if that is true, what I was told, then I, 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 why would you go anywhere else? And let me tell you something. If I was him, I would take the $14 million if they, somebody offered me that. Yeah. Um, he is, uh, if that comes true, he's going to be making more as a freshman at Texas than his uncles did their rookie season. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Man, just, just let, that's let the that way, soak that's in. That's where we are. That's where we are right Yeah, now. it is. All right, Mick's with us. He's going to hang another segment. You're listening to the Jay Barker Show. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and, of course, the Mick. When we come back, we're going to dive on a baseball right here on the Jay Barker Show. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHealth.com. Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audiovisual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. Gary Burley here for Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. As a 10-year National Football League veteran, you can imagine my surprise being diagnosed with cancer and starting chemotherapy treatment back in 2014. I suffered from a lot of pain and offered up prayer during those days as I made it into remission. But I developed neuropathy. Anyone that suffers from this condition knows the pain is excruciating, nerve numbness and tingling along the tissue that won't heal. I tried everything for relief, folks, until my wife suggested I call Dr. Williford of Williford Chiropractic and wellness. I called 205-909-7373 and scheduled an appointment. After three treatments, I began experiencing relief that I haven't had in years. If you're suffering from neuropathy, I suggest you reach out to Dr. Williford and his great staff at WilfordChiropracticAndWellness.com. Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. Give them a call at 205-909-7373. Balance your brain. Balance your life. 
Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Hi, it's Jay Barker for Siebel's in downtown Homewood, and now's the time to get your special place ready. Come in and let Siebel's design your porch with Kingsley Bait Outdoor Furniture and one of their custom swinging beds. For the great room, you're going to need their Carson Swivel Recliner. Siebel's is the number one Carson Recliner dealer in the country, and Sarah and I, we've got one, and we absolutely love it. Be sure also to check out their famous custom-made beds and bunk beds built by Siebel's and made up with some of the best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to Siebel'sCottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel'sCottage.com. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's C. Letter O. Back to the Jay Barker Show. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and the Mick. Mick Gillespie is with us. Hey, Mick, I'm going to jump into baseball for a little bit. I'm going to start with a quick question, Major League. Atlanta, my Atlanta Braves, and they are mine, by the way. I own part of them. <laughs> well, let's say they own part of me. Um, they own a large part of you. Yeah, since when they moved from Milwaukee. I was like eight years old. My dad said, hey, we got a team in the South now. But um, they've won 12 games in a row. And last night, number 12, costly. Ozzy is uh, out for at least two months of outstanding all-star second baseman. Um, just your overall thoughts on the Braves' start and where they are right now uh, at a record-breaking pace. Well, look, I knew it was just a matter of time before they started playing better baseball. And, and what happens when you win a World Series? I saw this with the Cubs, that you win, and it's hard to kind of get past everything that goes along with it, the parades and the rings and the, you know, there's always a ceremony and everyone loving you. Now they did lose their best player, Freddie Friedman to the Dodgers. Um, you know, he, he, he wanted more money and, and he ended up out there, but they got Matt Olson who is just as good, you know, um, and, and someone that always wanted to be in a Braves uniform. Right. Uh, the other thing that's, that's helped the Braves out is that the Mets are dealing with a bunch of injuries with their pitching staff, including Max Scherzer, who has 
kind of been the guy on that Mets team that came in and I think has transformed them into a team that you're rec- to be reckoned with, right? They're still five games up on the Braves, but I just knew at some point that the Braves were going to get it figured out. And, uh, and it, and it certainly, uh, has happened. But in the, during the course of the season, you lose guys, you know, um, and, and the Braves were at without their best player last year and they still won it, you know, so it, you, some, they're going to have to figure out someone else. They have one of the best farm systems out there. You know, maybe it's someone in the minor leagues. Maybe they go out and make some trades like they did last year when they get, when they got Jock Peterson and, uh, and Jorge Soler and, you know, and whoever else, right? I, 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 I know it. Anytime you lose someone that's that important to your team, it's tough. But, you know, good teams figure out a way to, uh, to get around that. And, and I don't think that losing Albies is going to be the death nail for this Braves team. I think that, I think Brian Snicker has these guys playing the way he wants them to play. Uh, I, I know Matt Olson has a lot to prove. And, um, and I, I, they, they're the champ and, and, they they could have won the World Series twice, really, because they, the base yeah. running cost them in the, with the Dodgers the first time around, you know, and then they, they took care of business last year. So, uh, and then the other thing is that the Mets are dealing with a lot of injuries, you know. So if I'm the Mets, I'm getting real uncomfortable with the Braves and the way that they're playing. Mick, uh, sticking with baseball, last night out in uh, Corvallis, Oregon, uh, Auburn advances to the College World Series, uh, being on the road in a winner-take-all game in a hostile environment on the West Coast and uh, defeats Oregon State. Uh, what is your impression of, of Auburn? And uh, I, I know you, you've uh, been able to see them, analyze them, how deep can this team go? I mean, do they have a chance to win it all in Omaha? You know what? They play defense. They pitch. They got, you know, they got a couple guys in the middle of their lineup that can hit. Uh, and, and I mean, obviously when you get to the World Series, you have a chance. You know, and they, they come out of the, you know, <laughs> going all the way out to um, Oregon State and winning. I watched that game. And I, and really my thought was, I'm just amazed at how you can take 11, uh, you know, under 12 scholarships and you can compete with some of these teams that have a whole roster of guys that are there on scholarships. Because Alabama's having a, a, a tough time getting back to that point. You know, I, I was, um, I, I text Chris Stewart the other day because my, my Facebook reminder was, a post that I made when I was on the Crimson Tide Sports Network broadcasting baseball with him. Um, in 2000 and, uh, 2010, we were, we were broadcasting from Clemson and, and Alabama could have hosted the regional, but they didn't have the stadium that they have now. They obviously fixed that. And, um, you know, so anyway, it was like both teams were kind of like, who, who's going to pay to have the regional or whatever Clemson did. Alabama went there, won the first game, lost the second game. And we were going into the third game, which I think was in 2010 today. And, um, and they, and they lost. It was a disappointing loss. That was my last game on CTSN and, and working with Chris, which I love doing. He's such a great guy. But the other part of it was that's the closest Alabama's come, come to the World Series since. And Mitch Gaspard was head coach, but a lot of the players there were recruited by Jim Wells. You know, Jim, Jim Wells still had an imprint on the program 
Uh, and Mitch too. And I'm not taking anything away from Mitch, but, um, you know, he was a great coach too. And I wish he would have stayed. Alabama hasn't gotten close since, you know, and, and Bill Battle, you know, with, with his hires, I'm not a fan of his at all. And, you know, and that's a whole nother story, but, um, it's, it's amazing to look at Auburn in comparison to Alabama and see where they are right now going to the World Series. With that said, I feel like Alabama has the type of coach that, that can get them there. But it takes a lot of work because of the fact that you don't have that many scholarships. You know, so congratulations to Auburn. And I got to tell you this, you know, I don't pull for Auburn in a lot of sports, but when it comes to baseball and it comes to the tournament, I want to see all the SEC teams win. So as I was watching that game last night, um, you know, when, when um, Oregon State hit the, hit the uh, two-run homer to get to within a run, I was hoping that, uh, you know, that, that the big fellow was all right. Uh, Teixeira, he's running around the bases. And, you know, Bobby Pierce. I mean, you know, I, I like this team. And, and I think they're scary because they pitch and they play defense. Hey, um, who do you like of the eight teams there? Give me a quick pick, and we'll let you go. I still, like I told you last time, I still feel like Arkansas is, might win this whole thing. You know, I, I, the fact that Tennessee, who I, I know was the best team in the country and had the most talent in the country, is out. I'm looking at them, and I'm going, you know what? Here's a team that was that club last year. They were the best team in the country, and they didn't make the World Series, and they had an entire year to think about it. There's no pressure on them right now. They go to UNC and win there. I like them. Uh, but you know what? This field, to me, the fact that you got Tennessee out of it is wide open. And I don't really feel like there's one team in this thing that has uh, the, that has the, the more, that has the better talent. I mean, I think Auburn can outpitch you and play defense. You know, I, I like Arkansas. You know, I think they're a team that's motivated. Texas A&M has been one of the best teams in the country since the second half of the year. You know, Texas has a bunch of good players. So I, I'm, I'm definitely curious. And then don't forget about Ole Miss. You know, they've kind of slid in this thing as well. They didn't allow a run to, um, to Southern Miss in that regional, which didn't surprise me. But that might have been the biggest regional in the history of the Magnolia State. So I'm really excited to see what happens. But if you said, hey, give me your pick to win this thing, I'm taking Arkansas. Woo, pig suey. Thank you, Mick. <laughs> Thanks, Mick. All right, guys. Take care. All right, you too. Mick Gillespie on the Jay Barker Show. We have one more segment, and we're going to try and take a dive at this. You're a big Rory guy. I, I'm okay. Rory McElroy. I'm good yep. with Roy McElroy, yeah. but I'm real good with him now. We'll explain that on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Partly to mostly sunny and very hot today. Just a small chance of any one spot getting a shower through the evening hours. The high today, 96. The low tonight, 72. Tomorrow morning, sunshine. A few scattered afternoon storms around. The high, 95. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 94 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide, the best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 
chips aside, is, is there any part of you as a player that looks at those joining as not so much surrendering, but but almost recognizing they're not going to be as competitive or can't be as competitive? And do you lose respect for that? <laughs> um, oh. Sorry. No, I, 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 I understand. I, um, yes, because a lot of these guys are, you know, in their late 40s or, you know, in Phil's case, you know, early 50s. And, yeah, I think everyone in this room, and they would say to, say to you themselves that their best days are, are behind them. Um, and that's why I, I don't understand for the guys that are a similar age to me going because I would like to believe that my best, day, <clears throat> my best days are still ahead of me and I think theirs are too. Uh, so that's where it feels like you're taking the easy way out. If you couldn't tell by his South African accent, that was Roy McElroy. By the way, South Roy. African. Any from uh, no Irish? Oh, uh, <laughs> Rory's from Ireland. Yes. Uh, anyway, but, but no, uh, thank you. Because no, I'm no, just, no. sorry. Uh, occasionally, I just lose control of the wheel. <laughs> um, but uh, he's not real happy with some of the departures from the PGA to the Live Tour. Yeah, in. Uh, in a larger context, Matt, this is a generational passing of the torch moment that's going on in golf. The new leaders, and they're replacing uh, Tiger and Phil. The new leaders on the on the PGA Tour are Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas because they have been the ones that have been the most outspoken against the Live Tour. And they have been the ones that have been the most eloquent. In golf, decorum is everything. You never criticize your opponent. You never call out an opponent by name. You're never critical of uh, another uh, tour. And Rory and, uh, and, and Justin have not been afraid to do that. Now, who was Rory specifically talking about? And that was a really subtle uh, jab at Phil Mickelson saying that he's basically on the back nine of his career and I'm still fighting for championships. So who is he talking about when it comes to the younger guys on the tour? I, I think he's talking about Dustin Johnson, who got uh, over $100 million uh, to play on the Live Tour, even though Dustin is a little bit He's a little bit older. I think he's 34, but certainly uh, he's got many years of being uh, of contending for for uh, uh, wins if he w- if he chose to stay on the PGA Tour. And specifically, I think he really is going after Bryson DeChambeau uh, and, and Pat Perez. And uh, I mean, Rory is really disappointed because back in February at the Genesis Tournament, he said that uh, that Live Golf looked quote dead in the water. Because all these guys said they weren't leaving the PGA Tour. And uh, you know what? That pissed Rory off because now all these guys, he, he said, look, he said, quote, I took a lot of player statements at face value. I guess that's what I got wrong. I mean, he is directly calling these guys out, Matt. Uh, another one in that list, I think, is Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed, and, absolutely. And these guys, and another one is Kevin Na. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and all of these guys have a common thread. And I follow golf. We follow it pretty closely. Yes. They're not very well liked. Uh, Kevin Na, I've been reading about him lately, is just a tool. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, cursing at other players on the tee boxes and, and, and on the practice tee. And Reed, of course, with that huge deal with the Masters, even though he won it. Um, I, I know you are, but I've never been a huge DJ fan. Um, oh, so what, what do you like DJ? He did things on tour behind the scenes that, have you not heard this? Of course, yes. I, yeah. I, I don't find a lot of favor when somebody's doing that to somebody's wife on tour. Oh, I, that I didn't know about. I thought it was about a recreational use of something. Oh, no. I, I, uh, he was he's, he's quite the ladies' man. Well, he's married to Wayne Gretzky's yeah. daughter now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway yeah. Uh, for, <laughs> for that reason, and I, I probably already said more than I should have, but... Uh, Got, got a little um, you know, and, 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 and you and I, we were uh, together uh, yesterday afternoon, and we watched the uh, Phil Mickelson press conference, and it was just brutal. I mean, reporters were unrelenting, uh, you know, talking, asking Phil directly about uh, uh, family and friends of victims of the terrorist attacks of September 11th and, and, and why they would be upset that, Phil, you are taking hundreds of millions of dollars from Live Golf which essentially is being financed by the Saudi Arabian government. And we got to remember that Osama bin Laden and 15 of the 19 hijackers on 9-11 were from Saudi Arabia. 15 of 19. Hey, Phil, what about that? 15 of 19. And, and Phil really wasn't interested in talking about that. I mean, he's basically he's taking blood money, okay? This is ugly. This is ugly stuff. And uh, Phil and the others who are, have been taking this uh, money – they're essentially in now in the back pocket of the Saudi Arabian government because they are being used to – they're using golf. They're using the live tour to try to uh, open up business to the West, specifically the United States, and, and try it, – it's like it's a massive PR move. Yeah, the live tour is going to lose a ton of money, but we've talked about this, Matt. This is like uh, – Money that that you and I would find in in the, the equivalent of like finding it in between cushions on the couch to the Saudis to the Saudis yeah um, they don't care if they lose a a, a billion dollars on this uh, thing in your opinion is it working from a PR standpoint or is it perhaps going the other well, direction they're, they, they, you got to think of the long game here for them I I, I don't know I, I don't know I mean Kurt, I mean if if you just would take the temperature of the average golf fan right now. And the average uh, uh, sports fan who maybe doesn't follow golf that much, but they just uh, are l looking at this from afar. Phil Mickelson, his reputation has just taken the biggest hit of any athlete in a short amount of time that I can remember. And also, you got to remember, too, there's a book coming out that my buddy Armin Katayan has been working with uh, a, a professional sports gambler that Phil burned. And uh, it's already been optioned for a big-time movie. And they got a massive contract in New York from a publisher. And I think Phil is shaking in his golf shoes right now about what is going to come out in uh, in this upcoming book. Uh, that, you know, Alan Shipnuck wrote that biography on Phil, unauthorized biography. And the information in there is going to be minuscule compared to what is going to come out here in a, in a little bit. Destination Radio is tomorrow between noon and two right here because we're going to cast that movie. Who would be Phil Mickelson? Don't answer. Just Let's think it. about it. Yeah. You have 22 hours to think about it. Who would play Rory? Who would play Jack? Who? 
might be a lot more fun in my eyes. No, let's than it do will it. Be. I, we'll, not, we'll do it. Do hey, it, uh, thank you to Jonathan. Thank you to Josh. Thank you, Lars. I don't have time to list the number of guests, but we had a we had a really really good show. Thank you, everybody. Hi, this is Wes McLoon.